0: And Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill Where we go back, back to, to, the, to past the past And read some DC Comics From their yesteryear of publishing You can hear us every week on the Weird Science, DC Comics.com podcast And this week we have a very special book Don't we Chris?
1: We do and it's a request from a listener It's uh, Frenny. We are discussing The Brave and the Bold number 54 uh, Which is the first appearance of the Teen Titans This is a, a Cover date June-July 1964 Uh, Title, Kid Flash, Aqualad, and Robin in The Thousand and One Dooms of Mr. Twister. Uh, Written by Bob Haney, with art by Bruno Primiani, and Sheldon Moldoff. Uh, We have an approximate on-sale date of Thursday, April 30th, 1964, and the cover price is .12 USD. Cheap. Very cheap. (laughs) Uh, Buy two. Um, And... uh, But before we get into the issue, as we are wont to do, we're going to discuss the creative team. Uh, We're going to start with uh, Bob Zaney Haney. Uh, This fellow was born March 15th, 1926 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He passed away in November 25th, 2004 in La Mesa, California. He's the uh, youngest of three surviving children. He had a couple of older sisters. Uh, His father, Bob Haney Sr., had fought in World War I and was an engineer. His mother was a second-generation German immigrant who had settled in Pennsylvania Dutch country.
0: Apparently nameless, uh, too. I never did not catch a name anywhere.
1: Huh.
0: I, <laughs> I assume she had a name. Maybe Bobina. Who knows? I think that's probably... Roberta. <laughs> there you go. Roberta.
1: Uh, and uh, uh, actually, for a year during the Great Depression, the Haney's lived in a in a Hooverville uh, just north of Philadelphia on a farm, and uh, the space was lent to them by a generous farmer. Uh, for those who might not know, Hoovervilles they were they were like makeshift shanty towns uh, that were set up in public parks and empty lots by unemployed people who couldn't afford to uh, have a home, couldn't pay rent. Uh, they were named after uh, Herbert Clark Hoover, America's 31st president, who held the office at the beginning of the Great Depression. Uh, he was blamed for many of the country's woes, whether, you know, true or not, who knows. Yeah. Um, I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't? Wow. I wasn't. No, I missed that day. <laughs> you pick one Monday to stay home. Um, <laughs> Now, they eventually moved to Philadelphia after Bob Sr. got got himself a job fixing up foreclosed houses. Um, He could have had a pretty good living out here uh, a
0: couple years ago. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) His his pops had to routinely change jobs and apartments, uh, forcing Bob Jr. to attend several different grammar schools. Uh, This kind of made it difficult for him to make friends, and uh, so he threw himself into uh, academia. Uh, they moved to uh, the Upper Darby suburbs of Pennsylvania, of, of Philadelphia, when he was around 12, and uh, they'd stay there until he graduated high school, so he probably got a good five, four or five years there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Sr. would take off sometimes, ostensibly to find better paying work, uh, so he was, he was absent from the family for a few years while Bob was a teenager. Um, now, Bob Jr. knew about comics as a teen, of course, but preferred movies and uh, classic literature, being the uh, enlightened sort that he was. He uh, would graduate from high school at uh, 17, and he would enter Swarthmore College. Swarthmore? Swarthmore. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to go Swarthmore <laughs> uh, in rural Pennsylvania on a partial scholarship. Uh, he attended for six months, and he worked at the Sun Shipyard in Lower Delaware seven nights a week on the graveyard shift. Wow. That's... Which had to suck.
0: And, you know, in, in the I read this in an interview, and he pointed out that it was really dangerous work. He almost died two times, and he saw three guys die.
1: I don't doubt that at all.
0: Unbelievable. Like, wow, scary stuff. Yeah. I mean, they were just obviously cranking out the ships for the war effort, so.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's 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 rough work. I, I wouldn't want it. Um, he would uh, he would enroll in the Navy in 1944, and that's where he first saw and looked at many comics. Uh, he enrolled, incidentally, because he was sure he'd be drafted and, and he wanted uh, his choice of assignments. Uh, didn't work out that way, though. <laughs> the best laid plans of Haney's and men. Oh, yeah. Um, He was discharged in 1946, a couple years later, and uh, he went back to Swarthmore, and he finished up uh, his degree uh, by 1948. Then he would go to Columbia University, and he got his master's in uh, French history uh, in one year, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, He began a writing career. He produced a number of contracted pulp novels, under-assumed names.
0: Yeah. After that, he broke into comics in 1948. Bob's first story... Uh, that he got paid for was College for Murder in Black Cat Number no. 9. That was January 1948 cover date. Haney that was wrote, Harvey That right? was a Harvey Comics title, yeah. Later was retitled Black Cat Mysteries, but it was kept the same numbering. Um, Haney wrote for most of the smaller publishers like Fawcett, St. John, and Ace and Harvey, as we just pointed out, until the Comics Code put a lot of them out of business. In 1955, he connected with DC Comics he wrote the story of Frogman's Secret in All American War Number Seventeen, January 1955. Uh, he created and wrote, without credit, the first appearance of Sergeant Rock and Easy Company in Our Army at War Number Eighty Three, in that was June 1959 cover date. I found that really interesting because I definitely yeah. would not consider that to be a Bob Haney character. <laughs> Absolutely not. But, uh, that's just a testament to his versatility. Now these characters are more Bob Bob Haney type. Uh, eclipso. Yeah. And Metamorpho, those are both Bob Haney crea- creations. And depending on who you ask, he co-created Doom Patrol. Uh, I think it's safe to say he had a hand in it, at least. He 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 was there. He was there. He 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 was around when that happened, and I think he had a little bit of input. But you know, that's a I'm willing to say that's an Arnold Drake Premiani, uh baby. Yeah. Uh, Haney's relationship with DC would last almost 30 years, during which time he wrote nearly every title that they had to write. But uh, over time. Uh, i don't know if he ever wrote a singular superman that's the one thing i'm not sure he wrote the character plenty of times but i, I don't know if he ever wrote for action comics or superman but who knows yeah, i
1: i couldn't find anything on that either no. i know he did a lot of the team up books so definitely. i'm sure oh, yeah. he's got some superman under his under his belt but i don't i don't know i couldn't say with certainty that he wrote action or or, or superman
0: yeah but uh you know he he did he really did touch definitely every character over that time Um, One of his more famous things was to write Brave and the Bold for 13 years, and he was the one to turn it into Batman featuring someone. It was like that for a long time. Uh, That was because Mort Weisinger closely guarded Superman and wouldn't turn him loose, which there's (laughs) there's actually a bunch of stories like this in DC history of Mort Weisinger not letting people use Superman. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, About Brave and the Bold number 54, Haney said, I came up with the name Teen Titans, which is no great Shakespeare. But I mean now how many years later, under Mar Wolfman, it became a major title. In those days, the PR research they had done the P, the PR research that they had had done showed this is still the early 60s. the average reader was a 12 year old boy living in Dayton, Ohio, who was not that sophisticated. So a lot of my stuff I wrote in the 60s was aimed at him. Generic little boy. It was simple stuff, it was not sophisticated.
1: I think this was plenty sophisticated. Yeah. When we get into the comic, we'll, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a there's lot of nice verbiage in here. Um, before we do that, uh, we're going to talk about Bruno Primiani, uh, Giordano Bruno Primiani. I believe we touched on him a bit during our uh, Doom Patrol uh, visit. Oh, yeah. Um, he was born January 4th, 1907, passed away August 17th, 1984, in Trieste, Austria, Hungary. Uh, became uh, Italy after World War I as some, spo- some war spoils. Uh, he studied at the art and craft school from 1921 to 1925 he was expelled from Italy for anti-Mussolini cartoons he'd created he uh, would emigrate to Argentina in 1930 he uh, continued to draw cartoons against the fascist government Uh, Mussolini's people said he'd be executed should he ever return to Italy which is uh, pretty crazy Yeah. (laughs) he uh, eventually moved to the United States uh, in 1948 and he stayed until 1952 Uh, found work at DC Comics, doing mostly uh, romance and war titles. And he also did, like we mentioned, he did the Doom Patrol. So, uh, he had a uh, he had kind of a reputation as being the guy who could draw anything, so they called him the guy who could draw anything. And yeah. uh, we, we, you know, you and I know him best as uh, you know the the guy who draw the Doom Patrol.
0: Yeah, but you know you see even in this you know he seems to effortlessly draw any building, any oh, yeah. car, any situation you know a just, narwhal yeah yeah exactly yeah a narwhal and whales he just seems to be able to draw anything uh, believably so a, really a great Uh, draftsman, I think.
1: Hell of a talent.
0: Now, you know, of course, the Teen Titans, especially in this incarnation, these are all uh, kids' sidekicks from popular heroes. So we wanted to talk about what is a sidekick. Well, of course, there's the dictionary definition, which is a noun, and it means a close friend or a confederate or assistant. But really, I would say, basically, it's someone that has your back and usually defers to you. That would be your sidekick, right? Yeah. I think that's about right. Um, you know, it's somebody that's going to be a little, maybe a little sycophantic and obsequious, but, and, you know, when the chips <laughs> are down, they're going to uh, have your back. In literature, sidekicks are nothing new. The term originated in pickpocket slang in the late 19th and tw- early 20th century. The kick was the front side pocket of a pair of trousers and was found to be the pocket safest from theft, therefore the pickpocket's sidekick became an inseparable companion. You know, so he's like someone as close to you as your front pocket. Um, mm-hmm. But the sidekick is not strictly helpful. Often they are just comedic. Sometimes they're the bumbling, you know, guy who wants to be helpful, but he ends up screwing everything up, and then you got to save him or her. There also have been female sidekicks more recently, but I wanted to give some more ancient examples from literature. We have uh, Enkidu, sidekick to Gilgamesh in the epic of Gilgamesh, circa 2100 B.C. There's Patroclus, sidekick to Achilles in Homer's The Iliad. That would have been around 1190 B.C. Coming up a lot sooner. More recently, there was Sancho Panza, squire to Don Quixote, and the ingenious gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha. That was published in two parts, uh, in Spanish in 1605 and 1615, and then I think in English in 1612, and I forget the other one, 1620 or something like that. Hmm. And then I think, you know, one that springs to mind, if you really think about it for a minute, is Dr. John J. Watson, the assistant to Sherlock Holmes, first appearing in those books in 1897.
1: Yeah, and uh, when we when we take that idea and bring it to comics, it's a little bit of a different beast. It's uh, at this point, it's always it's almost always young children that are hanging around with an adult hero uh, in order to appeal to younger readers, um, which has always struck me as a little bit odd because I never I never wanted to be Robin. No, <laughs>
0: you know, you like, want to uh, be Batman. You know,
1: yeah, it's, it's either I wanted to be Batman or I wanted to be me hanging out with Batman and Robin.
0: Yeah, so it's exactly. Like yeah, You don't to want to take be, Robin's place. You just want to, yeah. you know, ride in the Batmobile.
1: Absolutely. Um, now, this is this is always kind of weird because, you know, like we were saying, you know, Batman doesn't appeal to children. <laughs>
0: you know. I, I would think it's, by uh, himself he would do fine, but all right.
1: Yeah, I think he's got a little bit of a pedigree, right? (laughs) Uh, But uh, we're going to go into a a partial chronological list of some superhero sidekicks. This is all going to be, you know, Golden Age, or very early Silver Age stuff here. Uh, We got Bob Daly, a.k.a. Fat Man, uh, the adult sidekick to Mr. America, who would later be the Amura Commando. uh, First appeared in Action Comics number two, July 1938. We got... uh,
0: Oh, good. Well, Wing Hao, adult sidekick to the Crimson Avenger, first appeared in Detective Comics 28, October 1938. So the the comic after Superman debuted, and then the one after, right after Batman, Batman yep. debuted. We got some new sidekicks.
1: Oh we got Pinky, the Whiz, the Whiz Kid Butler, who was the adopted son of Mister Scarlet. First appeared in Wow Comics number one, December 1940.
0: And, of course, there's Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Robin, kid sidekick of Batman. First appeared in Detective Comics, number 39, April 1940. He's the fourth sidekick. I didn't expect to uh, find that out. I thought he might have been numero uno, but I think he actually Mm -hmm. was just the first very popular one. That was created by uh, Bob Kane, Bill Finger, and Jerry Robinson.
1: Now, the next one we got is a little bit weird. Uh, It's Toro, who's a... A kind of a kid sidekick to the original Human Torch. This is, you know, the Marvel character. Not Johnny Storm. This is a Jim Hammond. Right. Uh, now, first appearance, Human Torch Comics number two, fall 1940. Uh, this is a, he's an android. So <laughs> he's yeah. not really a kid. He's just a little bit more diminutive in stature and uh, kind of a, a bit more impetuous, kind of more childish.
0: Yeah, so. for some reason more, per- I guess he was programmed to be childish. Who knows? Could be. Uh, but yeah, that, that was that was him. Then there's Bucky Barnes, kid sidekick to Captain America. His first appearance was Captain America Comics number one, 19, March 1941. And this is one of my favorite Golden Age moments because <laughs> so I, I know you've seen it too. Scout Bucky oh, yeah. catches his troop leader Steve Rogers changing out of his Captain America uniform, and Steve says, "You little rascal, I ought to tan your hide. And guess you got me dead to rights. I am Captain America."
1: which Bucky says, gosh, gee whiz, golly, I,
0: I never thought. From now on, we must both share the secret together. That makes you my partner, Bucky. Which is like... <laughs> there, there's not more of a trial than that. Like, what? What if the fat kid had caught you? You know, would it just be like some kid with like a lollipop, huffing and puffing while they uh, punch <laughs> Red Skull out? Uh, and it, it, and I think this really puts kind of like a darker cast on the whole Winter Soldier thing because it's like a little bit Bucky. But so this means like Bucky kind of stumbled into the job, and then you know, to consider what happened later, Got drafted. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of messed up, but anyway.
1: <laughs> we uh, we got uh Derby Dickles, who's who we know better as Dooby Dickles. He's the, uh, an adult cab driver for the original Green Lantern. Uh, first appearance: All American Comics number 27, June 1941.
0: Yeah, there's Jimmy Jimmy Olson. We know him too. Younger pal to Superman. His first appearance is Superman number 13, November December 1941.
1: Uh, Sandy the Golden Boy, the kid's sidekick to the Golden Age Sandman. First appeared Adventure Comics number 69, December 1941.
0: Here's another great one. Stuff the Chinatown Kid, he's sidekick yes. to Vigilante. That's the cowboy uh, Vigilante, not the more modern Marv Wolfman version. First appearance was Action Comics number 45, February
1: 1942. And we got Dan the Dynamite. <laughs> He's uh, the kid's sidekick to TNT. First appearance, Star Spangled Comics, number 7, April
0: 1942. And then uh, Newsboy Legion, a pack of rough and tumble newsboys, sidekick to The Guardian, who was almost really just their Guardian. Yeah. Uh, they also debuted in Star Spangled Comics, number 7, April 1942, and they were created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby
1: mm mm-hmm. uh, We got uh, Speedy, a.k.a. Roy Harper, the teen sidekick and Wood to uh, Green Arrow. Uh, he also debuted in Star Spangled Comics, number no. seven, uh, again, April 1942. This is uh, kind of an issue full of uh, sidekick debut.
0: I mean, I'm betting this comprises probably all three main stories in the book, and they all to, debut yeah. a sidekick, so that's, something <laughs> was in the air in April 1942 or probably, you know, January when they uh, made the books, but um, you know, we and this list could go on and on and it does it, you know, into the more modern era you get uh sort of a different kind of sidekick, like Rick Jones to the Hulk was one that yeah. I, I that stuck out and uh Snapper Car to the JLA. Snapper car, yeah, it's just sort of they sort of take on a different cast. Even Johnny Thunder sorta of becomes a sidekick to the JSA, you know. Yeah. Uh even though he is his own character he his own hero. Gig, yeah. But you know, it's uh it it sort of takes a different cast. I wanted to keep it here because This is about the Teen Titans, about children, so kind of stick in the children's era. Um, And speaking of which, there are two more we have to meet that are going to be in this comic book. That's Kid Flash, a.k.a. Wally West, Teen Sidekick to the Flash. First appearance, Flash number 110, December 1959, created by John Broom and Carmine Infantino. And Aqualad, a.k.a. Garth. Uh, he never had a last name, Chris. Is I that don't. I don't. I don't think that he. <laughs> is it? Is he the? He's not the son of. Uh, no, he wasn't. He was. No, he was a full Atlantean. Uh, this Aquaman. That's right. But Atlantis, I, I uh, don't really remember exactly like why they. I guess he, they they hook up because Aquaman's cool. I don't know. He yeah
1: he is. He is pretty cool. Yeah.
0: They don't have. They don't have. They don't have last names in Atlantis. That's one of the things you didn't you didn't think about. You know they don't see and, the need for it. And phone numbers
1: are only three digits long. That's
0: right. It's a very it's much smaller area. That's why it's much yeah. more of a small community. Anyway, uh, his first appearance was Adventure Comics number 269. That was February 1960. He created by Robert Bernstein and Ramona Freiden, or Freden Frayden. I'm going to say Freiden. I uh,
1: you know her best from, uh, she did a lot of the Super Friends uh, ad- uh, comics adaptations. Oh, wow. All right. In the 70s, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the uh, Aquaman stuff from the 50s and 60s looks uh, spectacular, so there's no uh, no issue there. But I, I do find it interesting that, you know, we go from Robin, who is sort of like, you know, the, the antithesis of Batman, kind of cast against him, and uh, characters like Doiby uh, Dickles and, you know... Uh, uh, Newsboy Legion, these like kind of mm-hmm. rich characters of their own right, and then by the by the 50s, we're basically getting miniature versions of the heroes, that's all they are, <laughs> you know what I mean, just like, here's a smaller version of Aquaman, ta-da, there you go he is, now he, is, he has black hair
1: <laughs> it's like, Barry put this uh, put his costume in the dryer accidentally, so uh, yeah, here well, you go, Wallace. I mean, it's the same one.
0: I, I almost wanted to, and I guess we will get into a little bit, but yeah, when Kid Flash first started, I mean, Kid Flash's origin is the same thing as Barry Allen's, and he wore the mm-hmm. same, a smaller version of the costume. It was like, come on, Julie Schwartz. <laughs> Pull yourself together. We can do better than that.
1: Absolutely. Uh, now, we're going to get into The Brave and the Bold, number uh, 54, June-July 1964. Our cover depicts a man in uh, colonial and Native American garb. Uh, he's standing within a tornado. That we, This is the guy we can only assume is Mr. Twister. Uh He's a menacing Robin who's carrying the unconscious forms of Aqualad and Kid Flash while fire rains down around them. Which is, uh, uh, you know, unlike the books of today, this is actually a scene from the book. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Um, now, as a lot of these uh, Silver Age tales are, they're broken up into chapters. We have a, you know, our novel-sized epic here.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, chapter one is called "The Thousand and One Dooms of Mr. Twister." Uh, we got Kid Flash. He's running to catch Robin, who appears to have been flung high and wide by a tornado. Aqualad stands in waist-deep water nearby, narrating the scene like the ineffectual nobody that he is. Yeah, uh, we we need that. Uh, we need <laughs> we need the exposition. Um, now uh, we go to Hatton Corner's uh, city. Uh, I'm sorry, Hatton Corner's town hall, where the adults are holding a public meeting about imposing a teenage curfew. And this is just amazing. There's a banner that hangs behind them, and it reads "Say no to teenage demands."
0: I mean, what, what is this? This is like an adult dictatorship, you know? Like <laughs> any demand, the the answer is just no. You know, they're just like, <laughs> "We would like seconds for dinner," no demand. You know, sorry, teens.
1: I want pudding for dessert. No. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, as, as is pretty – I've got the showcase edition of this, and I was flipping through it. A lot of people carry signs yeah. <laughs> throughout this whole thing here. We have adults carrying signs. We have, <laughs> Adults have rights, too. As if that was ever in question. I
0: know, really.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the kids want to stay out until six thirty. You no, know, we have rights too. Uh, we you know.
0: have rights what? too. That that's our porno time kids. <laughs> I mean, that's when we like to walk around nude, so
1: <laughs> we have teenagers, toe the mark, and and the word teenager here is usually hyphenated or spaced, which is amazing. I'm never gonna spell it the right way again. No, there's no reason. Uh and then, my favorite, more chores, less play.
0: I mean, well, come on. What, how does that help you? You know what how I mean? How many times can you wax the floor? It's come just on. It's like, oh, we're sick of these kids playing and enjoying themselves. Chores <laughs> only, you know. Uh, parents just don't understand. DJ Jazzy Jeff was exactly yeah. right about that. Very
1: prescient.
0: Uh, at that same moment, a rundown, barn just outside, at a rundown barn just outside of Hatton Corners, the teens are also having a meeting. They want a new clubhouse, or else they'll strike.
1: They're going to strike. Yeah. They're going to go on strike from being
0: teenagers. I, I didn't know you could do from that. From
1: being sons and daughters of <laughs> of these... Righteous adults.
0: I mean, what happens? Do you get to go back to infancy? Do you, do you, do you slap a diaper on and you just put a uh, pacifier in your mouth and say you're on that strike? Could work. I don't know. Maybe I'll try that, actually. That sounds kind of nice. I uh, think so. Uh, <laughs> one helpful lad climbing a support beam informs us that the leader of the teenagers is named Eddie Corliss. <laughs> and they also have a couple of nice signs, although I don't think they're as good as the adults, but that's okay. They'll, they'll get there when they grow up. Their signs say, adults are square and mm-hmm. Nick's the curfew.
1: <laughs> we shift scenes to the bat cave in Gotham City. Batman is sitting there reading the newspaper, which has an article about I, I mean this is like this is a political dispute in Hatton Corners. This yeah. is this is news. I mean in other news nothing.
0: You know? <laughs> Yeah, slow week at the Gotham Gazette, must be, I'll Absolutely. tell you. I mean, I mean, this is, like, supposed to be, like, you know, Gotham's New York Times, right, or whatever, the biggest newspaper. Yeah. To, oh, over in Hatton Corners, the kids and parents aren't getting along.
1: <laughs> and, you know, you figure, you know, Batman comes home from a long night of fighting crime. He, you know, gets his robe and slippers, <laughs> maybe a pipe. And starts reading the paper no no he he's in full costume he's wearing his gloves
0: I love you know? that I love it it's just like you know what you know I gotta get it right to the news you know I'll, yes. uh, I'll put this in the laundry later uh Batman <laughs> says uh
1: he's got a, he's got himself a little bit of a reaction to this big news oh yeah he says yeah. those hat and corners teenagers are acting like spoiled brats batman
0: Batman, you sound like an old square. The Hatton Corners adults just won't listen to the kids there. That's Robin, by the way. I know you could, may not have been ima- the voice you could
1: thought. Could you imagine calling him, calling Batman an old square? Oh, uh, I would not. you get backhanded.
0: <laughs> As we've seen in many memes, right?
1: <laughs> yes, Papa Spank. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Robin tells Batman that the Hatton Corners teen club has invited him to help negotiate with the adults. Batman, you know, he him and haws a little bit, but he goes, yeah, I think you can go.
0: Yeah. Uh, in Central City, Flash and Kid Flash are running by an electronic news ticker that has a headline about the situation in Hatton Corners.
1: When I was reading this, I was pretending it wasn't an electronic uh, ticker. I was I was thinking they just wrote it on a building. Oh, really? This was so, this <laughs> was so important.
0: Actually, when I, when I first read it, I think I thought that they were just talking about it. Like they, <laughs> like they were, it was just an, uh, such a big news item that was just like a topic of conversation. You know, you it's heard what's going on in Hatton Corners? Yeah. So,
1: for some reason, the entire world, the eyes of the world are upon Hatton yeah. Cornus.
0: This will decide how we proceed with teenagers going forward worldwide. <laughs> we'll see what happens here. So, uh, Flash says, Watch with those teenagers, Kid Flash. Why can't they behave themselves?
1: To which Kid Flash says, Behave themselves? Flash, like all adults, you forget what you were once a teenager, too. With a hyphen in it.
0: That's right. <laughs> Uh, Kid Flash has also been invited to Hatton Corners to represent on behalf of the teen club. And considering the media media scrutiny the town's getting, this could be his big break. So uh, Flash lets him go.
1: Sure. Uh, We dive beneath the sea. (laughs) There's an eel with a note in a bottle looped around its midsection. He delivers a message to Aqualad. Guess what? He's also invited to Hatton Corners.
0: Hey, look at that. So (laughs) the, the kids of this teen club caught an eel tied a bottle to his body, and threw it back in the ocean. That is, like, the meanest thing. And and what's funny is they take the note out of the bottle. They don't take the bottle off the eel. The eel just swims away with a bottle hanging off him.
1: He's, in a, he's got a sisyphian yeah. <laughs> existence Jeez. from now on. Uh, we got Aquaman. He says, hmm, young people shouldn't dispute with their elders. But you can go. Just remember, you can't exist out of
0: water for more than an hour." And Aqualad replies... Don't worry, Aquaman. I can take care of myself. Even if I am just a teenager.
1: What what a passive aggressive little tort. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: he's, he's,
1: he's, like the, he's like the one kid who like he can't have uh like the one kid in school you knew that was like allergic to peanuts, right up you know, peanut allergy. Yeah. So like there what you weren't allowed to snickers bar inside the entire building.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> everyone everyone has to roll over because this guy's got the asthma and you know his uh <laughs> It, it hurts his braces or whatever. So anyway, uh, all three teen heroes arrive at Hatton Corners at the same time and find the dilapidated barn is a, a pile of wooden planks and a sign, helpfully indicating that it had been the Hatton Corners teen club. <laughs> uh, of course, Aqu- Aqualad shows up last. They head over to Town Hall, where all the adults are gathered on the steps for some reason, and Mr. Corliss, who is the mayor of Hatton Corners, and Eddie Corliss's father, that's the kid that was the leader of the Teenagers' Says all the teenagers have disappeared and gone on strike as they've threatened to do, and they've left a note, and it's written in cursive, which you would not mm. see today, folks. No. Uh, all us and the note reads: All us cats decided to skip until adults to the music get hip. Build the new clubhouse, Hatton Corners Teens. Now I have a lot of problems with this, and my problem <laughs> is it could very easily end. It could have easily ended, you know. Don't don't say we didn't warn you. From the teens of Hatton Corners, uh, you know something there like that. Go. I feel like the rhyme is right there. It doesn't matter anyway. The adults aren't even trying to hear it. They're they're ready to like just impose the most draconian curfew than these, these kids they ever yes. had.
1: And uh, you know Robin, when he when he catches wind of what this note says, he he thinks something's immediately afoot, something is wrong.
0: Yeah, he says, fellas, that note's a phony. No teenager would use the word music in hip language message. They'd use jive. And that and that barn was wrecked by some terrific wind.
1: <laughs> now of course, you know
0: teenagers would say things like hip language message. Oh yeah, right? sure. That sounds totally natural. Good job, Haney. Thank you very much.
1: I think my next my next tweet is going to be in hip language.
0: Message.
1: Uh, <laughs> Love to see that? I know, to, to have got to figure it all out. I'm going to, have to cram on this uh, book here. Uh, you know, Kid Flash he runs through every nook and cranny, a hat and corners, looking for the teenagers. He doesn't come up with anything. Aqualad does what he does best. He asks the fish in the nearby ocean if they've <laughs> seen the teens. <laughs> and you know, the fish are like, "Are you looking for teenage fish?" Because if you're looking for teenage fish, yeah, we've seen plenty. But if you're looking for teenage humans, you're in the wrong element, dumbass.
0: <laughs> like, what are you trying to do anyway? <laughs> it's like, and, and,
1: if, and if the fish did see them, aren't, there's a good chance they're all drowned anyway, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, if the fish if the fish are seeing the teens, they're probably dead. So, that's,
1: and they probably ate
0: them afterwards. They probably would. Why not?
1: Now, now just then, a tornado bears down on Hatton Corners, which has never, ever happened before. Robin, he shoves everyone into a bank vault, just while the uh, tornado rips the bank apart. Uh, Robin hangs onto the vault's door handle, and then uh, some weird dude in a colonial outfit and some sort of uh, Native American walking stick materializes inside the tornado.
0: And Mr. Twister, which is who this guy is, says, So, the famous Robin resists my powers. He has yet to feel their full force. Blow winds, pluck Robin to his doom. (laughs) Robin is forced
1: from the handle and flung high in the air. Kid Flash rushes to save him and catches him neatly.
0: Hey, just like on the first page. That's right, exactly. It actually was a scene from the book. Mm -hmm. Um, so mr twister standing atop the bank vault and kid flash tries to spin up and attack him but mr twister zaps kid flash with his native american staff knocking him out of commission
1: kid flash goes i'm okay robin my body vibrating internally at super speed save me from that bolt's full effect
0: they, they just love that internal vibration stuff, like the, like vibrating at different uh, you know, ways to go through walls or to go through. The, just he was always vibrating, like you know, like yes. I feel like the flashback in these days in the Silver Age, super speed wasn't even his power. It was vibrating. That was amazing <laughs> he ever did, you know. <laughs> they should have called him Vibrator. Anyway, that probably wouldn't have worked. So uh, Mayor Corliss recognizes the weirdo in the tornado. Yes. Good grief. Up there, it's Brom Stick. Yes, Mayor Corliss. I have returned as Mr. Twister. And with the great powers I now possess, I'll take my revenge on Hatton Corners.
1: Ha ha ha. Now, come on. Your name is Brom Stick, and you're going to go with Mr.
0: Twister? Uh, really? I mean, he's already... the name is right there. Just run with him. Yeah. You know? They know who and you I... are, anyway. You're not even wearing a disguise. <laughs>
1: Exactly, and and it, it, and with Bromstick, he could he could actually pass as a member of the Legion of Superheroes. <laughs>
0: That's true, possibly. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bromstick lad. Anyway, um, Mr. Twister says he has the teenagers and will not return them unless his demands are met and his debt is paid. So, what was the whole strike thing about? Like, what was that even? Why did why was that note left? It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Mr. Twister scrams in a, in a tornado that he creates with his staff.
1: End of chapter one uh, Chapter two is town without teen dash Agers uh, The adults of Hatton Corners They, they start to, they start to feel it They bemoan the loss of their teenagers uh, A soda jerk stands at an open door at his, at his empty soda fountain candy shop He goes They played the juke too loud They messed up the
0: place But I miss those kids Specifically I miss their revenue
1: Wah, wah. Uh, what, what, now you got to figure. You open a soda shop. Yeah. You're gonna get like lawyers coming in there, doctors. Yeah. Y- y- you're probably gonna get kids.
0: Yeah. Well, so, who I else hate- is gonna come? And you got a jukebox with probably the rock and roll music on it. You know, like what, what <laughs> yes. do you want to do? Keep that down. Now we got customers yeah. here.
1: You got a lot of jive on there, and and the kids are gonna want that. So so why even open a place like this
0: if you hate kids? Yeah, maybe there was no one else to do it. They needed uh, they needed one guy to do it, and he he drew the short straw. <laughs> he did. So uh next next panel we see a police officer possibly directing traffic. He's sort of just standing in the middle of the street looking forlorn. He says, "They led me on some merry chases, but they were all good kids. It's just a ghost town now."
1: And, and all these uh, adult crimes, they're just so violent.
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> now, over at Town Hall, s- s- some of the adults loiter around the front steps because that's all they do.
0: It literally, like there's nowhere else to be but on the steps of Town Hall of Hatton Corners. Uh, one of the adults says, I built 10 new clubhouses to have them back.
1: When all they needed to was one. Yeah, Just build one. That's all. <laughs> that's all. That's all they wanted. And, and, uh,
0: and maybe one time say yes to teenage demands. Maybe that would be a nice thing to do. But anyway.
1: A lot a lot of these early Titans things, it all comes down to, you know, parents and kids don't talk to one another
0: enough. Yeah. Uh,
1: now, the teen heroes, they resolved to fix the situation. Robin asked Mayor Corliss, what's the deal with this debt that uh, Mr. Twister was going on about? Uh, then the panel borders get pluff. Blah, blah, blah. They get puffy as we go into a flashback.
0: Yeah, it seems that back in the days of America's thirteen colonies, old Jacob Stick gave the land to build Hatton Corners. But as for a very peculiar rent, and here's my Jacob Stick. From now on, until the end of time, the town will pay me and my descendants one passenger pigeon feather yearly or forfeit one of your stalwart youths to labor in my service for that year. Agreed? That's exactly how I heard it. That's pretty much how I imagined it. So, Mm -hmm. of course, the colonists agreed, since Jacob Stick was clearly an idiot. (laughs) Um, Jacob died, and the strange rent was forgotten until Brom Stick showed up at the police station more recently looking for back rent so he could fill in some gaps in his pigeon feather cloak. Uh need that need them pigeon feathers. They laugh And that's Brom. no joke. Yeah. <laughs> they laugh uh Brahm out of the station. He swears revenge. Uh in the present, well, you pretty much know what's happening.
1: Yeah, Robin points out that the passenger pigeons have been extinct since nineteen thirteen. So there's absolutely no way they can get that back rent for Hatton Corners.
0: Do you think Robin just has a list like, like a mental list of Extinction, species extinction
1: You you gotta figure, it's like, when they said passenger pigeons He's like, yes, I
0: know that one He was like, oh yes, (laughs) maybe that was the last time Uh, Robin says But don't worry, Mr. Mayor Kid Flash, Aqualad, and I will rescue your teenagers We'll beat this Mr. Twister at his own game
1: And so the trio head to the local airport To read some radar records Uh, These are apparently freely available To anyone wearing a superhero costume Which is, you know, why not um, Robin is able to figure out that the teenagers have been taken due south to Goat Island, which appears due west of a large landmass.
0: So, where is Hatton Corners, okay? It's, it's, yeah. it's one of the 13 colonies, but there's an island to its southwest, so that would mean it would have to be... On the west coast. It would have to be on the <laughs> west coast, because Florida wasn't one of the colonies. It's, it's, this is befuddling, this map isn't working for me, I think we need to do another, uh, Kirby map of the, uh... <laughs> DC Universe.
1: <laughs> I think we might. This is weird. Uh, now, Robin and Kid Flash, they, they hop aboard a, uh, a giant manta ray summoned by Aqualad, and they speed toward Gold Island. Kid Flash goes, this manta ray makes a great taxi, Aqualad. Controlling sea beasts is almost as good as having
0: super speed. It's better, Kid Flash. The sea's the best place to grow up in. Fun and adventure all the time. But, of course, you wouldn't know about that. What a dick. I mean, really? What's the piss off? <laughs> like what happened? I thought you guys were getting along a minute ago. Like yeah, suddenly... it's like
1: this passive aggression is <laughs> <that Jeez. laughs> Now, uh, when the teen heroes they they reach Goat Island, they're shocked by what they find, particularly Aqualad, whose face seems to uh, grow six inches longer.
0: Doesn't look weird. Uh, it looks strange yes, in that shot. it's
1: very very bizarre. Uh, the teens of Hatton Corners have been forced by Mister Twister to build a monument to a tornado out of stone.
0: So uh, obviously they're quarrying rock and hewing it on the island. Are they certified? I mean, this is this is a major you know thing to do. You know, are they? Do they have a? Hey, uh, I think they're bonded, yeah. Do they have a steam a steam <laughs> lifter or whatever, a steam backhoe or something? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Corlish tries to throw a lasso around Mr. Twister, but Twister uses his walking stick to ensnare Eddie instead. And uh, Marsha, his girlfriend, we're not sure, but she says, yeah. Oh, Eddie, if only we were all safe in the Hatton Corners. I miss Dad and Mom so. And Eddie goes,
1: yeah, Masha, I, I guess our town and its adults are the greatest after all.
0: It's the elderly that are terrible in Hatton Corners. Yes, um, truly. Mr. Twister has to head out to recharge his walking stick, and he tells the Hat and Corners teens to finish the Twister monument before he gets back or feel his wrath. Mm-hmm. Mr. Twister hops in a sailboat and uses a tornado to speed it along, and Robin follows him by hanging on to the rudder. Like, yeah, he's fearless. That's pretty crazy, man. You know, like, you're basically at, like, you know, one of the most dangerous parts of the show. Only thing worse is if you were, like, right in front of it. Um, <laughs> and meanwhile, Kid Flash decides to spare the Hat and Corner's Teens the wrath of Mr. Twister by putting together the monument himself at super speed.
1: And and while this is going on, I, Aqualad is p- providing morals.
0: Yeah, not a whole lot for you to do right now, yeah. is there, Aqualad? Uh, <laughs> 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 uh at this very moment, on the mainland, in a cave in the peaks beyond Hatton Corner, Mr. Twister is preparing to dip his staff, uh, nothing wrong, they, I meant his Native American staff, into uh, a hot uh, yeah. spring that he calls hot potions for some reason, to restore his power, and Robin spies on him from behind a rock. Uh, Mr. Twister, he's thinking, some thought bubbles, A bath in these hot potions will renew the staff's powers! How fortunate I stumbled into this long-lost Indian medicine cave for shelter when they drove me from Hatton Corners. Uh, Did Mr. they really drive him away? I mean, they really, just laughed. They at him. just laughed at him, and I guess he just took it poorly. You know, he's a very sensitive guy, this uh, Brahm stick. You know, <laughs> he's he's a little touched. He's got a pigeon a pigeon cloak. You know, he's kind of a sensitive soul. I can uh, see that. Mister Twister sees Robin's shadow on the wall of the cave, so Robin runs out and throws sneezing powder into Twister's face. And while Mr. Twister sneezes, Robin attempts a strong uppercut, but is repelled with force against the wall of the cave and knocked out. Too bad, my young friend. You weren't aware that as long as I clutch this staff, its force fills my body and repels any blows struck against me.
1: And a little time goes by, and then a tornado spins in the and Corners and dumps Robin before leaving. There's a note pinned to Robin's chest. It says, Unless the rent is met by tomorrow's date... Earth, water, and fire will be your fate. Signed, XOXO, Mr. Twister. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought he was uh, he was threatening them with a uh, with a 70s band.
0: I thought but, so too, but that yeah. was wind that was that was the truth. Earth,
1: wind, and fire. So. Yeah. Uh, But meanwhile, on Goat Island, the teens are fawning over Kid Flash, which makes Aqualad jealous. Uh, But he's got to get back in the water to wash his retainer (laughs) anyway. He's he's not long for the land. Um, Underwater, he sees that Goat Island is suspended on a thin stalk of land, so he gets an idea. Uh, When Mr. Twister returns to Goat Island, he finds it's gone. Uh, The very next panel, we learn that Aqualad had a bunch of whales swim under the island and bear it on their backs while swimming away. Uh, you know, this probably would have obscured their blowholes, and the whales probably this is probably the last thing the whales did before yeah. dying. Yes. Very painful deaths. Uh,
0: probably I would say uh, mud encased blow blowholes. That's pretty much the end of a whale right there. So thanks. That's you. the end. Yeah. Thanks, Lad, That was well worth it. I'm sure. hmm Uh, Chapter three, the town that would not die. Now that Aqualad has moved Goat Island, the teens cheer for him to kid Flash's sugar in.
1: <laughs> you know, the, the, these kids just uh, they're, they're very capricious, they change their minds a lot They yeah. don't know what they want
0: Stupid wishy-washy jerks That's why I mm-hmm. give these kids a 3 o'clock curfew The bunch of jerks
1: Yeah, I'd say, hey, you can go live underwater
0: with them How about that, you like Aqualands <laughs> so much Why don't you go jump in the ocean uh, Now that the island's connected to the mainland Which probably ruins the coastal shoals And affects all the nearby marine life Kid Flash can run back to Hatton Corners And tell them the kids are safe now they need fear nothing from Mr. Twister, except for his many threats and ability to whip up tornadoes at any time. So I don't know why suddenly they're, like, cheering like they've won something. As a matter of fact, Mr. Twister's pissed, so he sends in a dust storm. But before the dust can settle, Kid Flash runs through town, creating a wicked vacuum effect that whisks all the dust out of town and into a swamp that they wanted backfilled anyway. Uh Real superheroes, they're not afraid to tackle tough municipal projects, so...
1: But, you know, you got to wonder how many uh, how many young little animals uh, died in that swamp.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, that's the problem is that when you do it through the regular channels, the permits and the uh, investigation, mm-hmm. it takes years, but Kid Flash banged it out in like 10 seconds. He doesn't have time for that. No. Right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they, they've, already, they've already crushed everything that was on the coastline. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, the death is just tremendous in this book. They, they, say, they say that modern books have a lot of uh, killing, but a lot of was, implied killing in here in this one.
1: No, the Silver Age is just so. Uh, I, I was reading a Superman story from the Silver Age where him and Supergirl they flew at each other so hard and banged heads so hard that it caused the largest earthquake on the planet in the planet's history. Wow. And uh, he was doing it to he was doing it to get the attention of somebody. That's But what, it's like, how many people died during
0: that? That's what we call that's what we call collateral damage, Chris. It's no big deal. <laughs> this, you got to remember, this is the era when it was like. There was no such thing as recycling. You know, you just threw it. You just threw it in the garbage. So.
1: And set it on fire. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> no, it's just a write-off. Yep. Uh, anywho, next, uh, Twister sends a green cloud that dumps rain on Hatton Corners. It's green rain to boot. It's probably some of that acid rain that we heard so much about in the 80s. Yep. That kind of went away. Um, <laughs> things look dire as everybody is scrambled to the rooftops to get away from the flood. Aquilad, he, he's finally useful. He shows up with a narwhal. Which is a weird critter with, a, with like a horn on its nose, right?
0: Yeah It's, like, it's um, like a small whale with a unicorn horn on its nose.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now they use the horn to puncture the ground and let the water drain away into underground channels. So now we're uh, you know, <laughs> we're ruining the groundwater.
0: Uh, I mean, come on, yeah, I, I'm not this one I'm not buying. like uh, how fast did this thing drain? He just punctures the one hole and the, the water it. looks like it's gone in moments. besides the there should be a lot of property damage. I'm not buying it. This this one seems like uh, a little too much. Too much. You know, Kid Flash running super speed to whisk Dusk out of town. I can understand. I could buy that. This one, I don't. I think it's a little. That's a bridge too far, Mr. Haney. Uh, (laughs) So finally, Mr. Twister sends a rain of fire to destroy Hatton Corners. Kid Flash tries to stop Mr. Twister. He gets zapped to unconsciousness. Aqualad is just kind of standing around. He gets zapped, too. He's unconscious. <laughs> Robin picks up Aqualad and Kid Flash over his shoulders and rushes them into the firehouse. Twister's not interested in zapping him because Robin hasn't ha- doesn't have any powers. But this scene is just like on the cover. Hey, uh, Rob. Robin races out with the fire engine and then throws up a ladder to reach Mr. Twister, who's high above heightened corners, enveloped in a tornado, as usual. Mm-hmm. Twister tries to zap Robin But he just misses, that's all Like uh, There's no trick to it He, he ch- goes and Robin's faster uh, Robin reaches the top of the ladder Then uses some bat rope to snare the Snaff away from Twister His power's gone Mr. Twister falls out of the sky And his cloak made of passenger pigeon feathers Kind of stays behind him a little bit It's kind of cartoonish And yeah. falls right to the ground
1: well, He should be dead, right? Yeah I mean, Robin, he's he's at least 20, 25 feet up in the air. He, twist has got to be dead.
0: I got to say, I mean, I know this is a Silver Age comic, but I expected him to be dead. On the, uh, you know, and I was like, oh, I guess that's why we didn't see him anymore after this. Yeah. Month. You know, we'll talk about that a little bit later on.
1: And uh, you know, Robin, he he doesn't care about any of that Native
0: American mumbo jumbo
1: no. or or just you know conservation of historical pieces. So he chucks the staff into a fire.
0: That's it. You know, the, like the whole culture. <laughs>
1: He doesn't know what kind of mojo he could have been stirring up by chucking into a fire, and he's also <laughs> he's ruining a one-of-a-kind piece. That's right. Um, but that's how he do. do. Uh, Kid Flash and Aqualad, they, they finally wake up, and they help extinguish the fire that has nearly consumed the entirety of Hatton Corners.
0: Aqualad says, I take back everything I said, Robin. You showed us that brains and bravery are as important as superpowers any day.
1: Kid Flash goes, And how? And I don't remember Aquilad saying anything mean towards Robin.
0: No, I don't I didn't see that at all. I wonder if that was cut I, I don't remember him saying, you know, you don't have any powers, what can you do? But I guess that maybe was the implication.
1: Maybe he said something really insensitive and they had to they had to censor Bob Haney
0: <laughs> Wow <laughs> I want to see the uncut version of this yes. one where he's the, like, the you it, Oh god, <laughs> it, it's, it's full of a lot of four letter words, you know you mm. f effing f effer you know <laughs>
1: Now, uh, Bromstick, he's hauled off by a cop to jail, so he survived.
0: Yeah. Yeah, He looks fine, actually. He he looks a little (laughs) downcast, but he's perfectly fine otherwise.
1: I'd Uh, say he lost a tooth, but he was missing that in the beginning. That's
0: true. You know, he just (laughs) looks like a gaunt, weird, colonial Native American guy. Uh, Then there's some caption narration says, And so, a short time later, as Hat Corners echoes with the shouts of every citizen, young and old...
1: The mayor of this fine town goes, So I say, we're all going to build the biggest, greatest, coolest teenage clubhouse that ever was.
0: Hooray! Yay! Robin says, I guess Mr. Twister did some good after all. This is certainly no ghost town anymore. Check! Check! Uh, but, that was Aqualad and Kid Flash That's right, together <laughs> But uh, Mr. Twister is the one that turned it into a ghost town in the first place you're, <laughs> thinking, you're thanking him for solving a problem that he caused I mean, the problem wasn't that the town was a ghost town It was that the adults and the children disputed the curfew and the clubhouse issue yeah. Read the newspaper, and do, Robin And
1: please. we don't even know that the teenagers would have left no, because you know uh, teenagers they, they they talk a lot, but when it comes to actually leaving home, I don't know that they're going to do that.
0: I mean, they said they uh, were going to they said they were going to go on strike. I, I assume that meant they would just be sitting on the couch watching TV. But,
1: uh, are, are teenagers ever not
0: on strike? I guess that's true. That's <laughs> like, no, they live a life on strike. Uh, and this
1: is this is great. A teen is hold, holding up a sign because they they all have their signs, and it reads, "Adults, we love them." <laughs>
0: I want a t-shirt with that on there, you know, adults we yes. love them. And there's not even any punctuation. It's just sort of like a nope. a, a statement, simple statement effect.
1: Yeah, um, they're not yelling it. They're not they're not excited about it. It's just adults, we love them, period. <laughs>
0: So, just as a, a uh, you know epilogue to this, Hatton Corners was rezoned for a highway. Six months later, the town is remembered as the name of a rest stop near Exit 44, so you can go <laughs> check that out. Now to uh, just wrap up some info on Bob Haney. In the years that followed, he wrote many issues of Brave and the Bold, often featuring situations and character team-ups that would have been impossible in the DC multiverse, or disregarded or even contradicted established continuity. Uh, the most often cited is Batman teaming up with Wildcat, just because Haney wanted Batman to team up with Wildcat. But actually, last week we talked about two where Batman teamed up with Commandy. Commandy, yes. So, you know, anything went uh, with the, with Bob Haney. And speaking of these teen heroes, and this will also be of some interest to Frenny, uh, Haney also introduced the soon-to-be relevant again Super Sons, featuring the sons of Batman and Superman. Um, he also introduced Bruce Wayne's never before, m- never mentioned uh, before brother, Thomas Wayne Jr. I remember that, and uh, really never came back. Uh, uh, well, I think after he came he,
1: back with the of Owls.
0: Is that is that what that was who it was right? He was like he was supposed I, yeah. to. think in March is supposed to be Thomas Wayne. Is that the idea? I think so. Anyway uh, it's just very you know Haney didn't give a crap and, and because of all the confusion, many of Zanny Haney's stories are said to have occurred on Earth H. The H is for Haney it's got its own internal continuity and if yep. you it is said that if you were a DC comics writer you received a Bible of the seemingly infinite Earths and what you know what went on each one and among them would be Earth H. Um, this is something that uh, Chris and I have decided is an incontrovertible fact, no matter what. Yes. That uh, Haney's brother-in-law was Ned Chase, the father of Chevy Chase. So mm. we like to think that they had dinner together in the 70s, and you know maybe it got funny. Yeah, at least once. Uh, his final work was published posthumously in March of 2008. The, it was the Teen Titans Lost Annual number one, and he won the Alley Award in 1968 for Track of the Hook. From Brave and the Bold, number 79 That was September 1968 In that one, Deadman and Batman team up To solve the mystery of a hook-handed killer And uh, he won the Ink Pot Award in 1997
1: And uh, Just a little bit more on Bruno Premiani Here, uh, his last known original comic story Was a three and a half page Please Let Me Die It was written by Dave Wood It appeared in Tales of the Unexpected Number 126 in August of 1971 Uh, He would pass away in Argentina uh, on August 17th, 1984. And we briefly mentioned that uh, we never, you know, you never hear from Mr. Twister again. It's been, uh, you know, 50 years. We never heard of him again until last year. Uh, Titans Hunt was released. It spun out of uh, Convergence. It was an eight-issue series. It was originally supposed to be a 12, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, That came out from December 2015, uh, ended July of this year. Uh, written by Dan Abnett, with pencils by Paolo Sequeira. And I, I want to say he alternated with somebody, but I can't remember his name.
0: I, 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 you uh, know, I, I, as I told you, I didn't read this in singles. I just read the <laughs> trade, and I do think there was mm-hmm. uh, another artist, at least one or two of the issues.
1: Yeah, I think they alternated. Like, one did two, then one did one, then two, and then one. Um, either way, uh, it spun out of convergence, like we said. Uh, the original Teen Titan members, uh, Dick Grayson, who was, he was not Nightwing, he was Grayson at the time. That's right. Though so, it doesn't take him long to get back into his Nightwing duds. Uh, we got Aquilad, we got Vox, who was also known as the Herald, who was also known as the Guardian, who was yeah. also known as the Hornblower, who was also <laughs> known as Mal. <laughs> yeah. It's Mal Duncan either way. Um, Bumblebee, Donna Troy, Lilith, also known as Omen, and Hawk, but not Dove. They have these weird, and also we have Narc, the cave
0: boy. Oh, Uh, right, I forgot. That's right, I can't believe I forgot.
1: Yeah, they have uh, memory flashes of each other, and they they try to figure out just what it is they've forgotten. They they all know there's something missing. Uh, And it turns out that when they fought Mr. Twister he was able to control their minds for his nefarious purposes so that after they defeated him that he wiped their memories out so they would never know each other or remember that they worked together and
0: yeah i think they did it as as a fail safe so that twister could never get at them again that was the thing and by making them remember he's obviously able it brought to him back call it brought him back able to call him to his weirdo you know tower i i think you know it was sort of weird this book i i you know
1: <laughs> I, I enjoyed it a great deal, but it was, it, it was kind of spotty. Uh, I, I just, I'm a Teen Titans guy. So, I mean, you could, you know, you could put Teen Titans on, on a box of cereal and I'm going to read it. Yeah. But, uh, it's weird. Cause there was only the three. Cause I mean, Donna Troy was not in this first issue.
0: Yeah. That, that also kind of, kind of, especially, you know, <laughs> just reading this one right after that, it kind of <laughs> stuck out to me. I was like, where, wait a second. The box wasn't there. Yeah. Where's the horn blower. Damn yeah, it. Yeah. But, uh. You know, I think I think the idea was that that was part of their memory loss. Is that you know maybe that w- what we saw was a partial memory of their first oh, adventure. Was, it was- yep.
1: um, now uh, Mr. Twisty, He's on another plane, like we said here, and uh, you know some wacky stuff goes down. And eventually, the last panel I believe of that series is that that wild lightning flash hitting the ground, which is uh, the original and real Wally West bursting free of the Speed Force, or wherever the hell he was, to uh, join the gang again. Uh, the, the Titans Hunt mini-Maxi series, whatever, uh, turned into the new Rebirth series uh, just called, you know, adjective Titans.
0: Yeah, so it's not Teen Titans. These guys are now the Titans, and Teen Titans just started, uh, I think, three weeks ago or something with, yeah. with Damian Wayne That's at the helm. Damian help. Wayne. So that's yeah. a whole different thing, but you know, I, I I did enjoy this too, and you know, when when we talked about it, um, you, you saying that it had been truncated makes sense because it does kind of seem to fall together a little quickly at the end. Yeah. But meanwhile, in the beginning, it's a little decompressed. So it's it's uh, there's like there's like one issue too many. I feel like towards the beginning, or maybe they could have, uh, you know, spaced it out a little better, but. Yeah. It's cool and I'd say that it definitely if you're a Titans fan don't be afraid of the new of it being like the new 52 Titans. I do understand you, but this <laughs> is a lot better than that and a lot more classic and all the characters at least are like, you know, they're they're wary of each other at first, but they do come to uh, you know, enjoy each other's presence and help each other and actually seem to smile and enjoy being heroes. So yeah. Uh, I thought it was cool, and I haven't, I haven't read the Rebirth series yet, but I intend to get up on that when I get a chance. But It's a lot of fun. If you uh, disagree or agree with us about Titans Hunt or the Teen Titans or Bob Haney or Brave and the Bold, uh, this or you have a suggestion for us for more books to read from DC yes. Comics or whatever you'd like to hear, uh, you can write to us, and I'm going to give you our uh, direct email, in a sense, that's weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com, that way you can keep the clutter... Out of uh, Jim and Eric's Inboxes um, If you want to follow us on Twitter I'm at Reggie Reggie I'm at Ace Comics And I tell you every week that you should uh, check out Chris's personal blog That's ChrisIsAnInfiniteEarth.blogspot.com. He does a new DC Comics Review every single day of the week Without fail I believe so far and yep. you are still in the uh, October month of spooky books. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a busy week. I haven't read them all, but I've definitely seen a lot of uh, Superman fighting werewolves and <laughs> things Things yep. you wouldn't expect to see. And those aren't even Elseworld books, aren't those? are right in the uh, They're
1: continuity. right in there, yep. <laughs> you got Superman getting stripped naked by a werewolf in there, too. So Whoa. if that floats your boat come on by.
0: I'm definitely going to have to check that one out. But yeah, (laughs) really, go check that out. Really well done. Very well written. And it contains ads and clips and all the great things. So uh, I think that's all we got for him this week. Anything else for him, Chris?
1: No, I think that'll do it.
0: Well, uh, until next week, I want you to keep it on the treadmill pubescently. See ya.